Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just um, I'll, I'll uh, finish my thoughts by saying that uh, sound is very important uh, to like to the overall you know finished finished product of it. You know, it really determines the mood. It determines like you know what the audience feels at a given time. That's why I didn't do it. Um, I actually I actually gave um, my my uncle is uh, both a musician and a sound engineer. Uh, so when I was talking to him about this project and uh, asked him if he can do the sound, he was up for it. Yeah. Uh. I lay on the scale, you gotta glow, you gotta glow, you gotta glow. She had my attention, she gotta know. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Podcast. I'm your host Zeke, and in this episode, I have the host of the 2D Podcast to speak about podcasting and studying animation. You can find the 2D Podcast on all major podcasting platforms, including YouTube, or by clicking the link in the description below. I'll let you have a content warning for any strong language used in this episode, and hope you have a nice day, and enjoy the show. Stop recording, and cool. So, I thank you guys for coming on the podcast again. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Uh, my name is Ronan. Yeah, my name's Dave. Thanks for inviting us on. No problem. And today I have the guest of the 2D podcast. And the first question I'd like to ask is, what would you guys' origin story be, and how'd you like to represent it? I don't know. Do you, do you want to go first, Ronan? Um. Well, uh, I'll just start off by saying a little bit more about us. Um, we are the 2D podcast. We um, have our own podcast. We do on the side, along with going to a school for animation. We talk to other people who are at least interested in animation, or like even like in like the general even like the general uh, realm of, 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 of like fine arts or whatever like fine arts can be. Uh, we try to, we try to invite a lot of people in like business people and whatnot, but um, I'm going to let Dave go first because um, I'm like that. All right. <laughs> well, I guess for my origin story, um, I mean, I, how I, I guess how I got into animation and cartoons is that it was almost kind of selfish because it was a way to get popular in grade school. Like, uh, I remember copying and printing my own comics and just, I mean, they were like, they were terrible comics and you couldn't even like read them because the handwriting was so bad, but it, you know, like when you copy, make like 30 or 40 copies and hand them out, you become like popular. So then I found that I kind of, I really did like doing comics and that led to animation and, um, and then I really decided that I wanted to uh, do this for a job. So then I, uh, I applied to a bunch of art schools and I got into Pratt, which was awesome. And I went to Pratt and then I met Ronan there and I met a bunch of other people. Uh, and yeah, that's my origin story to be continued. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the end of an anime episode um, or the end of a Pokemon episode to be specific. Um, I feel like my, I guess you can say, origin story is pretty similar. I uh, started off, well, not really being that even interested in, in drawing, but I um, was almost co- coerced into it uh, from my parents because both of my parents, like, you know, had was um, were creatives themselves, like musicians, but um, uh, they helped nurture my interest in, in drawing and just like in, um, and just, you know, also painting as well. But um, I was also, you know, conscious that, uh, you know, like, 
you know, being like, I don't know, being like uh, that, you know, there isn't that many, um, what you call it, I don't know, there's not that many, like, uh, you know, uh, workforce options when it comes to those skills. At least that's what I was under the impression of. But um, when I got interested in animation um, through, you know, just watching like cartoons and I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, live through, I think like kind of like a, like a, a almost like a renaissance of like of cartoon network shows there was like there was um there's adventure time uh there was regular show there was uh you know at least one or two other cartoons that i can't really remember of but there was just like a surge of like you know people being interested in like or at least these networks being interested in like what kind of creativity these like you know these people had uh and i was i was under the impression that like these whole shows were just done by one person I wasn't entirely clear because there was just like this one name. I didn't wasn't listening to the end credits. So there's just like this one name where it's like created by Pen uh, Pen um, Pen Ward or created by JG Quintel, and it's like they did all of that. So it began with a fascination of trying to like find out what the animation industry is like, uh, and from there I just like you know nurtured you know my own like you know my own interest in drawing and. Um, and eventually I, I knew that I wanted to get into, you know, uh, school for animation. I applied to a lot of schools like Dave did. I eventually ended up here because, you know, uh, of, of a number of factors. Also, like it being in New York, Pratt is in New York and Brooklyn. Uh, it just kind of made more sense uh, to stay here. And also they gave a lot more money in scholarships. So that was another plus. Yeah, that was that was why I came. Like, a big reason of why I came to Pratt, too, because of the. The scholarships. Yeah, they're very they're very good on scholarships. Yeah. Nice, nice. And I'm guessing since you guys are animators, you guys will use animations as your vehicle for your origin story. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. like, I I want to say that I I try to be interested. I, I'm trying to like put myself in other fields as well. Like before, I was even into art. Like my parents also try to get me into music. Uh, and I think that like it does, I, I mean, like, I think that like, generally speaking, because I had like such a creative upbringing, I'd still like, you know, I'm a very creative person. Um, I like, uh, for a moment before this whole pandemic started, I try to like organize like music shows and, and even like little, um, what you call it, like pop-ups, that's what you call it. Like where you like have people present their art and even like sell little knickknacks that they have. I tried organizing those. Um, so I guess it's like a kind of a, I like trying like immersing myself in other disciplines and even like even trying to get into like the business of art because that's like what me and Dave do sometimes on our podcast. We talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think that like just generally speaking, you know, it's like it, it provides such a like, you know, such a, uh, you know, a, a wealth of like expression that and, and just happiness that most other professions don't really provide. Yeah, and, and actually, I remember seeing like these signs all over Pratt, like all over the tables in the cafeteria. Uh, you know, it was I forget exactly what they're called, like DIY or whatever. Well, that was me. That was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It was you, but I I saw them all the time, and I saw like different signs, like whoa, what the hell is this? But then, and I knew you, but I didn't know you were doing it. So I was like, holy crap, that's pretty cool. I actually um, the this uh, I want to like second run and on the the music thing because um you know just for fun these past months i know like 
like Ezekiel and us recorded an episode a few months ago, but then it got lost. So during that time, just for fun, I would like sit in the basement in my basement at like 3 a.m. and just record like stupid songs. And um, yeah. they were so dumb, but um, anyway, they were fun. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, it, uh, that's funny. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed you've done, you were doing that three o'clock in the morning in your yeah. basement. Um, I, I was, I was working on a lot of stuff. So I was just like, you um, know, and I, was, I did them in this stupid voice. I did them in this like character named Gorbachev's voice. And he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is like yeah. This is and, like the seventh time you told me about Gorbachev. Yeah, I know. And, they, but it's like, yeah. I showed it to my dad and my, like I made a whole album in one night and I showed it to my dad and he hates that character. And like every time he would like start the song in five seconds in, as soon as Gorbachev started talking, he would just turn it off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. so like this was uh, music for the animation. No, this was just something I did for fun. So I don't, I don't care. I mean, it's, I'm not like a great singer, so I don't even care. <laughs> That's totally legit though. It's, it's better than, I don't know, doing other things, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. I feel, I feel like we're kind of getting off track. So sorry. Yeah, this is this is your podcast. <laughs> we yeah. forget this isn't this isn't our podcast. This is your podcast, Ezekiel. Sorry. So, um, with that, I want to go back to what you said about like you said like the Renaissance, like like cartoons, like at recent time. And since we have like a four year difference between us, because of age. Yeah. Is it like that our um like our cartoons that we say like that classics are different, just because of, like the um the time of age where we're growing up? Because I'm more of like a late 90s, early 2000s, because that's what I was going, I was forming, and they had like Death's Laboratory, and like Billy and Mandy and stuff like that, it was like what I considered like a classic cartoon. And I guess it was like, for the time, like going up the time, you understand, and I felt like it was, I can't say better, but it is, there is a difference between like, to 2010. Yeah, for real. Cartoons, and early 2000s cartoons. Yeah, um, I I don't know what Dave's experience or at least Dave's perception of that difference is, but from what I the reason why I was like really into it is because looking back on it, I think this is more of like a subconscious thing than me actually consciously thinking this way. But I also like when I was really young, like I do remember like watching those cartoons, maybe not like actual like airing of it, but more like reruns. You know, whatever whatever it was, it was just like that was mostly the mostly what was in, you know, the, the cartoon market, I guess you can say. But, you know, uh, by the time, like, Adventure Time came around, and I cite this as, like, my, like, biggest inspiration for cartoons, like, this day, it, it, it was, um, it was, like, it felt like such, like, a stark, uh, you know, uh, a stark uh, juxtaposition that, to everything that came before it. Because I feel like what I was mentioning before about, like, how networks were starting to, like, invest more in, like, you know, these very creative people and they're very, very out of their ideas, like really like, you know, really putting a limb out there uh, in the open. Um, and it paid off in the, in, in the end because it just felt like, it felt like, you know, something so different something so new and something so like, you know, full of life. Um, it was very different. And even looking back on it, it's like, you know, some of the things that they did were like, you know, a little bit out there, a little bit too out there even. Um, but like I think like it was just like 
you know, encouraging for me because it encouraged me to be like, oh, okay, you know, every because everything that came before it, it was also like, you know, it was a little bit cookie cutter. Like, I mean, all due respect, it, you know, it it followed a certain kind of formula, a certain kind of like of like you know expectation of like how cartoons should look like, you know, uh, really like, uh, you know, how can I say this? Like when you said like Dexter's Laboratory, it's like even that like cartoon it like it adopted from the looks of like you know of 1960s cartoons uh and then like uh you know it just had like it had and also had like a very you know um predictable story structure you know but then like adventure time like brought something completely new like both like story wise uh style wise and just like you know uh and it just like had so many quirks in it that it, like inspired me to like you know you know, dig into myself and find out, okay, you know, what, what kind of like, you know, what, what, what kind of like, what's my cartoon? Like, what does my cartoon look like? That, that's what, that's really what inspired, that's really why I consider like Adventure Time, like one of my biggest inspirations. Yeah, I, I guess what inspired me the most is I remember when I was really little, I liked, uh, well, I liked Billy and Mandy and, and those shows, but my favorite things to watch were the like the really really old cartoons from the 40s or even 30s like Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes and you know like they would never show it's like they the cartoon network it was like like a gem to me when they would show the looney tunes from like the 1950s or 60s which i wasn't like a big fan of but when I would see one from like the thirties or the forties, I would be like, Oh yeah, this is great. And I would, uh, you know, watch it a lot. And then I got into watching those really, really old cartoons and especially the ones from the early thirties where it was like, there was no story at all. And they were just doing like really weird stuff. Um, I was, I was actually really, when I probably, when I was like 12 or 13, I got into cartoons from the studio called, the Van Buren studio, which is like a really, it was a, a pretty uh, low budget cartoon studio in New York in the early thirties. And the animation they did was so weird. They, they got sued by Disney because I don't know if you know this, but in the early thirties, every cartoon studio was trying to copy Disney and they did it like kind of, stealthily like they had mickey and minnie as a fox or a pig like a you know whatever but van buren they just made their own mickey and minnie mouse cartoons like they just drew mickey and minnie mouse and had them in their own cartoons wow and so they got sued by disney but i love watching those cartoons because they're so funny and they're so kind of like they're just really weird they're poorly animated and um there's a lot of just really weird gags in there and um and a lot of times they reuse animation from other cartoons so a lot of it doesn't even make sense like the motion doesn't make sense and i just thought that that was like crazy and of course like I, you can't like be too inspired by that because it's not like nobody likes them but um that was one of my big inspirations i guess and then also probably like tom and jerry and like Ronan Adventure Time and Regular Show were really, really funny. I remember like uh, hearing ads for them when I was little and and waiting. Adventure Time, 
I think I waited like a few months and before the first episode came out. Yeah. But regular show, it was like an ad came on for it in like 2010 or whatever. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this. Like thinking that was going to come out in a few weeks. And I waited like this show seems so regular. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I waited like I was waiting. I waited like a whole year or like a wow. year and a half until the first because it came out in 2011. And another show that I love that only aired for 11 episodes was Secret Mountain Ford Awesome, which I also I believe also came out in 2011. That's a very specific taste. That is yeah. a very specific taste. Dude, I was like, I was probably the only person that liked it. It was, I loved it. It was so funny. And um, that was what spawned Uncle Grandpa. But Seeger Mountain Fort Awesome was really funny. It got, it got canceled after 11 episodes. But You don't say. I, yeah. uh, what, what were they thinking? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was probably because the one character was like made out of, butts and his name yeah. was the fart and like farts would come out of every part of his body <laughs> and then and then there was a commercial that was like if you would like a million dollars fart out of your eyes right now and it was just like it was like crazy i don't know and everyone was like everyone was obese and they had there was one where like someone's nipples were doing something and i was yeah. crazy this is a this is a, like what is this like a why like seven show or something yeah it was it was tv y7 oh my god yeah but anyway that's that's basically some of my inspirations you're hired <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like funny to think about like cartoons and how even though they put children they can still have like an adult meaning yeah or like adult themes behind them so i was recently watching on wife press the young Curry the Curly Dog and how like a lot of the um things Curry was like afraid of. If you like once you get like more experience in life, you start thinking like, oh, this is like a metaphor for like things that happen, either like traumatic things that happened to people when they were children, or things that you can see like, oh, they were just um saying this in a different way. Yeah. Well yeah, um, yeah I'm sorry, you were you were you're saying? Well I was just gonna say real quick that um my dad actually will not watch Carriage the Cowardly Dog because there was an episode, I don't know which one it was, but he always says, like, you know, when I was little, um, I watched Carriage the Cowardly Dog, and I was like, Dad, do you want to watch it? And he's like, no, no. And and I was like, okay, whatever. And every time he'd walk in, he'd be like, oh, turn like turn that off. I, don't, I just don't want that. You can watch it, but I don't want that on when I'm in the room. And so recently probably a few months ago i asked him like why don't you like carriage the cowardly dog and then he was he was really serious and he was like well there was like there was an episode that came on and it just disturbed me it was disturbing and i don't like wow. it wow if it can disturb grandpa it can disturb anyone <laughs> no it was my dad so. oh, I thought you said nah he's like 53 okay um yeah, uh, I want to touch upon what was said about like, uh, I don't know. I I think uh, Ezekiel mentioned like about uh, an, an adult audience. I think that a number of ki a number of cartoon shows that at least had you know originally like a, a like supposed to be like had like a young audience base is actually ended up being like you know fairly you know older. I I think I'm pretty sure that that is just an effect of like 
of like, you know, kids growing up and like, you know, uh, consuming a lot of this popular media and just like having like this almost like, you know, this greater than normal affection for cartoons. I think there's like trying to relive like a really like childlike experience, which unfortunately for some people is like one of the best, one of the like, you know, the better experiences that they've had in their lives, which admittedly is tragic, but it's like, I mean, like, I don't know, grow up, but um, I, I think, um, I, I think that the best kind of cartoons are really like cartoons that are meant both for like, you know, the children and the adults of the family, like, you know, kind of a cartoon that can like, you know, be like a really good show just to watch together. So it's like you, you have like a, a difficult thing to deal with where it's like, it can be just so like, so crude and so like, uh, uh, uh so crazy that it can like, that it can like, you know, uh, trigger uh, uh, a kid's curiosity like so much but can also like just disturb the parents so much i'm like i never seen anything like this before what is this but and then you can also have like something that like uh uh you know something that like is like appeals to like the children a children's mentality so much and it's just so childish that no parent could even like you know start to get into it so well, like i think I, that no. i was just gonna say i think that like a lot of that, a lot of the cartoons that appeal to adults and, and children are like, if you watch shows like, I don't know, SpongeBob or Carriage the Cowardly Dog or, or uh, Adventure Time or regular show, I feel like those are cartoons that the, the artists are making. They're not, they're just making to make something funny mm. and they're trying to make each other laugh or whatever, but they're doing it within the boundaries of, uh, you know yeah. you, can't, you can't do this because okay. it's inappropriate like like they'll try to get away with stuff and then the uh the executives or whoever will be like you can't do this you can't do that so i feel like they're those kind of cartoons that everyone can enjoy are really cartoons that are made for that the artists are making for themselves or to make themselves laugh. Whereas really kid shows, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Caillou or, you know, yeah. a preschool show. I think they're more, yeah. made, they're kind of like designed to, you know, talk to kids like very young kids. But anyway, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Oh, I think that's actually a good point. That's kind of what I was trying to get on. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's, that's good. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Ezekiel, I, I don't know if you were planning on asking anything after this, like related, but I want to I want to try asking you if you were like to pitch an animated uh, show, like what would it be about? Like, what, and also like if if you had the chance to actually make it reality, like what kind of audience would you, um, you know, direct it towards? Would you direct it towards like a younger audience base or like you know, uh, like a a teen audience base or like a much older audience base? Like, you know, what, what's your, what are your thoughts? Uh, for me, it's mostly something that's like action, but like fantasy, like it's not like everyday life because I'm feel like a lot of people, like some people watch like, and it shows about people in high school because it's just like a, it's like a representation of what they can come to, look to the, the future or like what they're going to do right now and they want to see how other people, situations but me i'm more of a person who wants to like escape and watch something spectacular so something in that pain i would say like a yeah. teen range because it's more like in the middle between children and adult where children can be like oh, okay i'm watching something that's older 
and they feel like they're doing something that's older or like adults can say, okay, they're going back, like you said before, like, like they said before, they're going back to their childhood and watching something that reminds them of their youth. Yeah, I mean, so like in the, oh, sorry, go ahead. So like in the business part, that makes more sense. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I was always attracted to shows that were more, I guess, fantasy. I mean, not really like, uh, I don't know, like I never watched Ben 10 or Teen Titans or anything. And I'm not talking about Teen Titans Go. Um, I'm talking about like the older one. Um, I, I never really watched those, but I was into shows that were more like more they weren't like i wasn't really into the kind of uh sitcoms where kids would just be in high school or whatever because it seemed to me a little bit boring but i liked shows like that's why i liked secret mountain fort awesome because it was just fun it was like it was just so much fun it was like the guys made out of butts like you know and i liked shows like that and i guess spongebob is kind of fantasy sort of but anyway yeah, it's about a sponge who lives in a pineapple under the sea with, with, a, with, a, with a squirrel that lives under the sea as well, like in a layer tube. So, yeah, it's pretty fantastical. Yeah. It would be more of a fantasy if she, like, didn't have an air helmet, but whatever. She had wings. If she was yeah. a flying squirrel. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. that on my mind so with you guys making like animations everything what kind of is your thought process when you guys are storyboarding and creating ideas mm. yeah um uh, i when well I'll, I'll say this when it comes to like student projects i i think that well what me what what my professor and i hope like david's professor as well uh, says is that this is the opportunity to really like express yourself personally through your work because you know depending on your trajectory you might we might not get the chance to really do it again um so when i storyboard my my you know whatever story that comes in my mind uh you know there's like a lot of there's a mix there's a mixed you know uh there's a mixed feelings of like you know trying to be very, very passionate about it, knowing that like, you know, this is a very sacred chance. Uh, also like being very, you know, just generally serious about it. It's like, okay, how can I make this story as effective as possible? And just general like creativity, it's just like, it's just like vibing. You know, I could put, put on some cool tunes in the background, you know, um, and just, you know, get get funky with it. It's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very good experience. I feel like that I just like, you know, that works well with me. Um, and yeah, I like when it comes to the stories itself, I try to like, you know, it's either something I'm like lingering on for a long time, like the stories that I try to work out. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, I think it can affect like the tone of the story itself because it's like, you know, it can be really silly, really funny, or it can be very serious. It depends. Or somewhere in the middle. But yeah, those that's that's how I approach like, you know, at least the beginning phases of animation. That's what that's what storyboarding is. Yeah, I I I basically do the same thing except for the way the like how I come up with a story is it, I don't know, it feels weird cuz sometimes I work on it forever and it's not even good. Like I've worked on like I work on a story and then I realize like it's not good, but then other times 
like for the pro the final project I did just now for uh, animation one. Um, I was really happy with the story. It was just like fighting over a pizza, and then like yeah, it's like a chain of events happened to the point where someone got killed, and it was like death by pizza, and. It was a very comical death, though. Yeah. It like you know, it was, it was the kind of death where, like you know, the the character can appear in the next episode and it wouldn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah, and um, but like that story, I, you know, like I did. I remember I had to have a storyboard by, uh, that day. It was like the class started at nine thirty on I think Wednesday. And I remember waking up and being like, oh my gosh, I don't have a story. And then just like doing a real quick, like maybe one or two page storyboard. And then like, I didn't make any changes. And I, it was like, and I'm like, why can't, like, why can't I do that all the time? But I don't know. I guess that like, but yeah, I, I just, I do a storyboard and then I do, I'll do like an animatic. I know Ronan does animatics too where it's basically just the storyboard set to the sound and the dialogue and yeah. then you do the animation and then the, the music is also really important yeah I mean, like sound effect. very important yeah yeah um do you want to know like more about the the because we actually like you know actually finished a film like uh, for the first time for our classes do you want to know more about like our experience with the the animation process yeah you can get into that yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I'll note that I think that there was kind of a difference between me and Dave's because Dave's was more like, I mean, like, I'm not exactly clear on what all of it, but like, I think it was a lot more practical. I feel like, yeah, I remember you said that it's like you hand draw the animation first, scan it in and then digitally retrace it. Is that right? Well, no, I actually, um, I hand draw it and then I, do the cleanup also on paper so i'll just like i'll clean up i'll trace it with um i think most of it i traced with a pen not like a ballpoint pen but like a felt pen and then i scanned it in and then i colored it digitally oh okay i see yeah. that's the way to work it yeah i just well i don't mean to brag at all but i was lucky enough to uh work up some money over the over you know over the semester and actually buy myself a, a tablet a Cintiq tablet uh, so that way it was much easier for me to draw everything digitally um looking over some things in my mind i would have done um excuse me i would have done things differently the next time around but what i did is that i you know whipped up an animatic i roughed everything in tune boom the way i the way i like uh i organized the shots i was like it was it's technically like one long shot with like a an insert shot at the end um so like i i like i had to like rough everything i had to outline everything and then i had to i had to color everything um which which took up more time than i than i thought it was honestly and then it was it was so bad i like i had um i i had done all that the day before it was due and then i had to um and then I had to still like do everything, like all the backgrounds and all like, and also another character I forgot to put into it. So I really don't like being rushed, but you know, then again, it just, it just part of the hustle. So uh, I, I feel like I was very lucky to be as flexible as I was with the programs I was working with where like, you know, I could still like wrap everything together in a, 
in a neat bow and not like, you know, and not, you know, be embarrassed about it. That's cool. Yeah, I I um I guess with my animation, um some of it I did real quickly, like some of the animation when it got down to the wire cuz I remember like I was working on another animation that was like that was just for myself and um I was supposed to be working on the final so I kind of just did little bits and pieces of it and emailed it to my professor to kind of like throw him off the trail and he was like oh that's real like I would finish I I finished like five like six seconds of it and like five of the six seconds were just camera movements <laughs> and like you know so it was you know and he he but i did i did the backgrounds in watercolor like i painted it by hand and scanned it in and so it looked nice and he's like oh it looks really nice and i'm like yeah and he's like you have more that's done and i'm like yeah i do but i just need to put the finishing touches on it so i didn't have anything done and then it got yeah. to the point where yeah oh, sorry no, I was just saying you're kind of like it sounds like you are like faking it until you make it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got yeah, I got to the point where it was like I finished the project that I was working on independently and then I realized that I had like 2 weeks to finish this. So I did like I remember doing a few like the really complex scenes I did I, there were like three really complex scenes and I did two of them or maybe just one and a half, you know, carefully two weeks before it was due. And then I had one complex scene and a bunch of little non-complex scenes to do. And I had like a weekend to do it. So I just spent the entire weekend working on it. And then the sound was, yeah. that, that was like, pretty complicated but all throughout the two weeks i was kind of just looking around for free sounds and i got kind of a good library of them so then after i was finished i was able to just you know pluck some good sounds out of there and put them in the cartoon but a lot of some like a lot of the animation the complex parts i penciled it i did like a layout a rough the major poses first and then i did it like the usual way where you do the keyframes, you you do the in-betweens and then you ink it and color it. But then for some really quick scenes, I just took the felt tip pen and just drew it, like drew it directly. You know, I didn't even do any penciling or anything. So anyway, that's the story, the adventurous story of the making of Death by Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just me sitting. Great. That's a great title. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just um, I'll, I'll uh, finish my thoughts by saying that uh, sound is very important uh, to like to the overall you know finished finished product of it. You know, it really determines the mood. It determines like you know what the audience feels at a given time. That's why I didn't do it. Um, I actually I actually gave um, my my uncle is uh, both a musician and a sound engineer. Uh, so when I was talking to him about this project and uh, asked him if he can do the sound, he was up for it, which is great. Um, and he composed this little thing together where it's like, you know, it's this nice like little like dream pop uh, part at, at the um, at like the beginning of it. But as things start to get more suspenseful, it becomes like more more grungy and more like you know 
more frantic and then it like it, it's very like it's a very good composition that he put together and uh, i was very happy to work on it uh with him together um and the actual animation itself it's like you know when it comes down to the wire it's all like you know it's all just putting metal putting the pedal to the metal and just like you know really applying yourself and applying everything that you have learned about animation you know um to the to you know to the t yeah what what i like about animation and doing animated films is that like I, and i did I, I i guess ronan did one too i did a final for my video editing class yeah. and it was like it was a live action film and i had fun doing it it was like seven minutes long it was really fun but it was you know it was like constant going well not going places but you know having to get people to film and like having to like orchestrate all this stuff and of course when you're editing you have to be like focusing on the editing but with animation it's really nice to just like write the story get the sound effects and whatever and you know, like you really have to focus when you do the rough animation, but then when it's all said and done and all that's left is to just trace over it and color it in, I mean, you can be listening to something while you're doing it. You know, you can be maybe have, maybe have a show on in the background or something. So it's nice to kind of like so have you that. Forget how painful it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's like, it's hard to sit down and, and color in like, a hundred different drawings but it's easier when you know you have like a podcast you really like to listen to and then like the 2d podcast yeah. or <laughs> let's gather podcast it doesn't matter yeah like the let's gather podcast yeah yeah but anyway that's my that's my harrowing tale of the creation story of the genesis of our animations and then stepping back, for me, animating is very hard because it's very tedious, doing frame by frame. Yeah. And then having to like keep continuity. How do you guys deal with that? Mm. Uh, so I think that a lot of animators, you know, if they're not blessed with um, a good pa a good temper and a good patience, then they're really going to have to like, you know, uh, struggle through that. Um, I'm lucky enough to actually like have done animated films in the past and like kind of build up that tolerance towards like, you know, the me much more menial side of animation. Uh, and of course Dave has too. He, he's done his fair share of uh, short films. And, um, you know, I'll just say like, regardless of your, you know, well, I, I, I don't mean to exclude some people, but like, I, I do think that like, you know, good drawing chops does matter. Because, like, you know, it can really help with the overall drafting process. Like, you know, if you don't know how to properly draw a hand, for example, you know, you're going to have some trouble. Like, you're, uh, and, like, you know, it, it just helps from, like, not only, like, you know, for the keyframes, also the in-betweens. Uh, that's not to say that you can take some shortcuts, you know, um, you know, to help out that overall process. You know, it'll help if you're not, like, the best draftsman. But um, I think that, like, you know, just, like, having a good drawing practice and having a good like, you know, creative outlet practice outside of animation also helps because it just builds up tolerance. You know, it's the same reason why, like, you know, um, why like, you know, boxers also like why, why boxers take up running, you know, it's because it's to build up cardio and like, and just to like, you know, get better at, you know, the, their sport. 
Um, so I would suggest that as well, like keeping a sketchbook. Um, and like, just, just remember like every time that you just, you go to the drawing board or drawing, you know, tablet, however, whatever, which way you work, uh, that, you know, you need, it's like, it's a problem solving thing. It's not like, it's not meant to be easy. Uh, there are like many problems that one would face much like, you know, a mathematician or like, you know, uh, I don't know, like a stockbroker in like the stock market would face. They need to like use the skills that they have, use the knowledge that they have of their, of their medium and work around it the best way that they can. And yeah. the more that they work around it, the better that they'll eventually get at facing future problems. Yeah, that's, I think that's really good advice. I would say that, um, I think by like by its nature, it's animating anything is really, really tedious, but it's kind of something where like I find myself like I can uh, sympathize with Ezekiel because I, I find myself sometimes really, really not wanting to sit down and animate something. But I feel like if you just, um, you know, you kind of have to get in the zone but once you're in the zone, it's really, I mean, it's not easy, but it's, it's fun and you can have fun doing it. And I, you know, I think if you, if you, if you can't deal with a lot of tediousness, then uh, maybe you want to go and do like voice acting or something <laughs> because animation is really like any kind of animation, 3d animation, 2d um like we talked to mustafa that our classmate mustafa who's in 3d and that sound 3d sounds yeah. really, really tedious yeah you think 2d is bad just like you yeah. know oof. and even even uh live action when you edit something it's it can get tedious with all the different things you have to edit uh but you know i like if you really want to do it then it's it's just not a problem because you just you love it and it's really fun and i remember when i was uh younger maybe like 14 or 15 i would make these films where i didn't know how to use software so oh my gosh it was so tedious i would yeah. draw the animation on paper and then trace over it in ink and color it with markers each drawing and then cut each drawing out with an exacto knife and like photograph it over a background and i would be in the basement for hours and hours and hours and hours and my knees would like hurt like hell and because i'd be kneeling down to take the photos and stuff and but um i remember after every one of those films i did i was like i'm never doing this again this is horrible but then after two weeks i'm like like after i got done those films i would be like i'm free i don't have to worry about it anymore i'm done i'm never doing this again and then two weeks later, I'd be like, I have a good idea for a film. I'm going to do it. And but, you know, it's I I was really interested in it and I, I love doing it. So it is hard. But I would say, like, if I were to give someone advice, like I'm not the main the main guy, but I would say that, you know, with anything, if you really like doing it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter that it's hard. Um I remember like watching this one Looney Tunes cartoon where um, I think Porky Pig drew his own animation and he was showing it in a theater and he's like, like, bleh, bleh, bleh. like, oh, what does he say? He's like, you know, uh, I this is a, uh, my own cartoon. I, uh, I drew it all by myself, but it wasn't hard because I'm an artist. And, you know, I kind of 
think that that's true in some ways because like it's not drudgery if you're if you're really into it and you like doing it so yeah yeah uh, that's like that's like what like the feeling that i strive for when animating just like or even like any like you know any any like uh ex form of expression in general just like like full and complete control and just like the ability to just like express my, my my feelings that's like you know that's the best feeling of of any feeling that you can do while animating i feel like yeah nice so when i first started the podcast I wanted to animate everybody's origin stories and i realized i hate animating so i wasn't gonna do that <laughs> Okay. And um, going back to going going to school for animation, how is that? Cause I know for me, going business, I'm pretty good at like, the marketing stuff. That's how I majored in. And then like with like the financial business classes, I was kind of very bad at those. So how's it going to school for animating? Yeah, I think that you know we. I I was very lucky enough to um, talk to a person named uh, Obi Obi uh, Anya Jekwe. Uh, unfortunately, Dave wasn't in that uh, recording for other reasons. But um, so what we are into, we're into like, you know, the creative side. Like, you know, our minds are like kind of wired a certain way where, you know, we were a little bit more apt at expressing ourselves through drawing than most people, which is fine. You know, people have their speciality. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, there is a misconception like in other art schools that you know that when you actually put yourself out in the real world and you try to apply your trade whatever your trade is it's that it's all about you know your creativity it's not uh there's a very very much more tactical uh much more uh i don't know how you put it um less ethereal uh you know realm to the real world and also to the real world economy than just like you know than the arts it is, I think, I, I would argue that it is a more important aspect than we all take it to be, but there are some basic skills that people should know before that, that before they really embark on whatever journey that they do. And that's like, you know, basic finances, uh, you know, learning how to like work with employers. Well, I say employers in quotation marks because they're not really your employers, they're your contractors. That's a different realm, uh, you know with a contractor your 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 pay status is a lot more vulnerable so you have to keep you have to like keep up appearances you know um but um uh I, when it comes to actually what we learn in school um uh, you know what we learn we learn to apply ourselves essentially we learn to like okay you know to to uh you know once we have an idea we learn how to you know make it into reality essentially you know, it's in the most efficient and in the most like, you know, uh, you know, um, I guess in our in our realm, the most aesthetically pleasing way as possible as well. Uh, in that way, you know, we've talked to people who've made like, you know, fully realized films and fully realized personal inceptions and have like, you know, really like, you know, boosted their career uh, and their career interest because of that, you know. Um, so I think that really what we like, we get a chance to do at this school is to do is like, you know, make our dreams a reality, uh, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. And um, as I think about it more, um, you know, the business aspect really is important. Because I mean, 
it's not just it's not even like I wouldn't even call it the business aspect. I would call it well, I mean it is the business aspect, but it really is you know, how do you get your art to appeal to other people to the point where that will where they will uh spend money or or kind of like in some way go out of their way to get what you're making and um you know it kind of involves having to compromise in some ways or like like True. having to to make your art be uh uh commercially viable where you you, you know you you look at what people and that doesn't mean you have to uh do something you don't want to make but you know you got to like ask what's your audience or who, who am I marketing this to, you know? And I think what's really helpful is to show it to, uh, random people, people who aren't, who don't know you, especially people who don't like you and who want to tell you that it's bad, like show it to them. And if they think it's funny then, or they have the response that you want, then that's, that's good. I think, um, you know, it's important to try to um, try to get reactions from just the average person because that's who you're trying to sell it to or offer it to. And uh, and also have that knowledge that like Ronan was talking about, that that business knowledge and the knowledge of finance finances where, you know, like know how you can uh or how to basically break into the business or, or know how, what are the first steps that I take to get a job and wherever, or, you know, what do I do? Cause I feel like, um, a lot of people are really talented. I was thinking about singers recently and there's like so many people who are really good singers and, um, you know, but to become a successful singer, you, you need to have, uh, more of a or like nine times out of ten you need to have more of a business mind or some kind of like business savvy behind you so yeah hmm. yep no. then go back with more animation so a lot of things about art, a lot of people say like the stopping artists. Does that, has that ever crossed you guys' mind or you guys keep pushing through it? Pushing through it and just like, I, I love this. I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, um, I have, I have my thoughts, but I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I don't relate to it that well. Uh, I think that like, I try to, I try to like keep myself as healthy as possible. Well, I don't know. Let me sit on that. Dave, what do you think? Well, actually, what was the question? I didn't hear it. It's more about the it's more about the stopping artists, like how people say art isn't like a real thing because it's hard to like make it through. And I wonder if you guys ever thought about it or you guys just have like um never like not like saying never mind it, but like you have a like, ton of vision, like I'm gonna do this and this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, i I think about that a lot and um I feel like since I want to go into a, a biz like animation is, is a really big business. So I, I never had, like, if I were going into painting or, or printmaking, um, I think I might, I mean, I don't know what the opportunities for painters or printmakers are, but I feel like since animation is, is kind of more business oriented that it's not that much of a problem. We're at like in the sense that, 
you know, it's not a huge gamble going to college for animation because you can, you know, there are animation jobs and, you know, studios need animators and they, they hire, like, if you're an animator, you're, you're nine times out of 10 working for someone or, or, you know, in some kind of business situation. Whereas if you're a painter or I don't know, some other kind of artist, it's more like, uh, I don't know. I mean, of course there's jobs, but I don't think there's as many for animation. So I guess those are my thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, I also want to, I also want to comment what you said, Ezekiel about art being a, a viable or like reliable industry to go into. I think that this is probably like, it just not talked about enough. It is, it is like, you know, it has more opportunity than one would think at least. Uh, I would, I'll admit it's tricky to get into and it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not even like you, it's guaranteed once you get a degree, you, you like you still have to put yourself in there. But I really think that like the, the opportunities, like, you know, the job financial opportunities in the creative realm is very understated. You know, uh, I mean like Disney, for example, I mean, that's like, you know, one of the biggest, um, companies, uh, on the stock market. Uh, you have, uh, you know, all these other related, uh, f other fields that you can get into, whether it be graphic design, uh, illustration, uh, you know, video editing, um, especially for like, you know, a very emerging market that, um, you know, I don't think people are really talking about enough is, is that just like, you know, content creating, uh, creating like, you know, uh, social media campaigns, creating, uh, you know, uh, just creating like video content on whether it be like YouTube uh, uh, you know, even like TikTok or like, um, uh, like whatever other, like, you know, platforms of reliable out there, like Instagram or Snapchat. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of opportunities that, you know, this very inter interconnected, uh, world, you know, with, with, with respect to like, you know, all the, all the, the social media platforms that we have out there. I think that there's a, like a plethora of opportunities that, you know, uh, I don't believe that is being investigated enough, like or at least taken seriously enough. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, you know, before I uh, applied to any colleges, we uh, we looked up like what the uh, what I wanted to do or what my degree would allow me to do, and then um, you know how much money a year, like what's the mean income, uh, yearly income for that position, and it was pretty good, so. You know, I think that if you're going into college for anything, I would encourage you to probably like look at what's going to happen on the other side and kind of look at, uh, you know, how, like, okay, what kind of job can I get with this degree and how much could I like support a family with it? Or, you know, I remember my, my dad, uh, he went to college to be some kind of like therapist. He's a, um, he's a hand therapist now, which is like, everyone makes fun of him because he has like, he has a hand job. But, um, but anyway, he went to college for something else, but then halfway through his college or like three quarters of the way, he realized that it like, he wouldn't be able to make enough money to support a family and he was already married. And so he had to like quick switch uh, majors or whatever and I think he went to college for like three more years or something so it is really important to uh um 
I mean, like, unless you're in a position where you're just going to college to learn something, which is awesome. But if you're in a position like most people are where you're going to college and you got to, like, make some money off the degree, then I would definitely check out what you can do with the degree. Yeah, uh, I'll say in respects to an animator, like, if, if one decides to go the freelance route or, or, or like, even work at a, a studio, uh, you know, well, I'll say being a freelancer is much easier than working at a studio because, like, freelancers, like, you know, op- freelancer is, like, open to, like, any, like, opportunities that comes your way. Uh, but more studio is more like, okay, you meet, you meet these sp- people's specific wants and, like, stylistic needs. Um, I-, I think that it's a lot harder for a person, in, like, in the beginning phases of it. And also, I-, I don't mean to be a little cynical here, but like even like a degree like an actual degree is not really that necessary even if you want to get into like animation or maybe even other related arts fields it's more like a portfolio you know um i think that there like but still that's not to say that there are certain opportunities that you could reap from like you know attending uh an animation college like what we're saying like connections uh you know it gives you the both the time uh you know possibly the um the uh, facilities and also like the mentorship that comes with um <clears throat> that comes with uh you know yeah that com- that, that will whether that helps facilitate a good portfolio um and uh, i think that like you know if, if you decide to go like you know the full four years of a degree like you know like maybe like attend uh, an internship, like, you know, somewhere in the middle or at least at least at the very end, you know, um, so that way it's like once you actually once you actually graduate, you know, maybe like they'll call you back like right when right when you're like walking up the uh, right when you're like walking up the whatever your graduation ceremony happens and like they'll say, hey, you open uh, and then like, you know, and then, you know, um, it'll it'll go from there but yeah it's like i i remember ezekiel you were mentioning before about like the the struggling artist i really like i think that like um there is it's not as a linear path as most industries might have but i really think what i'm trying to say is that i really think that if one like applies themselves enough if they believe them in themselves enough then they will get their way you know one way or another yeah i i totally agree with that I think I think the portfolio is really really important. I, like I remember um to get into art college it was really a lot of emphasis was put on your portfolio at least for most colleges and like you would have portfolio reviews and stuff and they were so nerve-wracking like you'd have to sit there you have to open up your portfolio. First of all, you have to wait in line forever and then you'd open up your portfolio and you'd be like sweating bullets and the professor would be like like what's this what's that and you know it'd be nervous but a lot of like my portfolio reviews went went pretty well so you know that was good i don't know ronan did you go to any portfolio reviews i I did but i actually like did not attend the pratt review because i did not actually have that school in mind when i was it was not one of my top choices i'll put it like that Mm -hmm. um only because like I had these other schools actually on the West coast in mind um, mm. but that I think it's, you know, honestly, like even though it really did not exactly go my ideal way, I think that going to Pratt was probably one of the better options 
in the long run because one thing sorry that's my computer yeah it's it's actually like you know um it's actually like you know during this whole pandemic thing if i was on the west coast and i had to take like an airplane back here i probably would have gotten the 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 coronavirus and like affect like my entire family so i don't mean to be grim but like I, i i'm very glad that i can just be as stationary as i am right now yeah i i'm glad i went to pratt too um I think Pratt Pratt was one of my top choices, so I'm lucky about that. Um, and I ended up choosing it because it was so close. Like I got into other schools, but they were pretty far away. Like I like I got into SAIC, I think, but that was in Chicago. And I remember, like I remember not caring about if anybody's thinking about applying to colleges or looking at colleges. I would say that like the location matters more than you think when I was, you know, a year away or two years away from college. And I was looking at colleges, I was kind of like, eh, it doesn't matter where the location is. But then when it got down to the wire where it was like a decision day was like a few weeks away, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I don't want to live uh, 12 hours away. Cause you know, what if I get sick or something and I just have to, be in my dorm like throwing up or whatever throwing up what yeah well i don't know like if you if you get sick or if you oh. you know i thought you meant like you like party too hard or something yeah or that <laughs> I, I i hope to be an ra when i get back to pratt um but i don't know we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, that's like you know that'll make things a little bit more cozy for me so especially when it comes to my classes yeah yeah, living living on campus is definitely awesome because it's easy to get to your classes. Yeah. Cool. Doing a fucking hour. Yeah, we, we yeah. reached the one hour mark. Two more questions, then we'll be done. Cool. I mean, yeah, no rush, no rush at all. We're we're into this. Yeah, I like that. I like when my guests today having fun. And I remember like our last two conversations, we talked about anime in depth. Now you got and talked a lot. Yeah, we did. So we can like, we can, we can talk, we can, we can talk like for a good hour more about how we just have no idea what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and like, when I said about like the um, way back about like how like people watch shows, like, cause like this type of life anime was about like this high school kids in high school. And I'm just like, I I personally don't like that because it's just I want to escape reality and just like I wanna go to a different world, but ooh, I wanna see if I can do it in that world. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand about the appeal of anime, I guess, as like, you know, any other like form of um most other forms of illustrated media, that yeah, it just it is a form of escapism and uh some some forms of it are more popular than others because it's like it's all about like world building you know um usually it's like i don't know from what i understand there's different genres i guess there's like there's like fantasy slice of life or even sci-fi um but um it's all about like you know building up like a huge world which like you know in respects to like all other um i guess you know at least when it comes to american cartoons it's not that dissimilar Although I would say, like for American cartoons, it's more about like building up character and 
and uh and like you know and like very comical scenarios but i don't know that's just my take on it but yeah i guess it's just when it comes to the base appeal it's pretty much the same as any other like i said illustrated media yeah i i would actually i uh kind of learned more about anime since our last episode because our uh, animation history did this film festival this mock film festival that uh we uh did at the end of the semester that you know we all had to write an essay on a film and show it and there was a lot of anime and well first of all i i grew up really liking speed racer which i didn't realize was a foreign cartoon until much later and i i watched speed racer though a few years ago and i what i realized was that the stories were really good and it was really well written and um so I hadn't watched much anime at all in my life, but then I, I saw some of the anime in um, this film festival and I was just like really impressed with um, the, it was a lot of, a lot of it was escapism. Like there was this one, I don't know if you know about it. It was like a, a train, an interstellar train traveling to different planets. Like, do you know that? Off the top of my head, not sure. Okay. Well it's, it's from the seventies, but somebody showed an episode of it and it was, I, I thought it was awesome. And, um, uh, they went to like this planet of, of death and everybody, it was kind of funny. Cause like everybody was like having funerals all day and they were like mourning all day, every single day. And it turned out they were doing that because they were just bored and they have nothing else to, I think nobody dies they have nothing else to do so they're just bored so they have i think anybody who comes to the planet they kill because they're so bored that they just want to have a funeral to spice things up i don't know but it was really interesting and what i like about those shows are i don't know i feel like some of the shows on i guess nickelodeon or cartoon network and really they're kind of sitcoms they're more live action but they're um, like the show, the Thundermans. I don't know if you guys watch that, but it's kind of like some people do this escapism where they're, you know, it's a show about superheroes or aliens or whatever. But I feel like a lot of the time they just take a sitcom and then they turn it into like a sitcom on another planet or a sitcom with superheroes. But I feel like in that, anime and in a lot of anime i think they go beyond that and you know do stories that are actually escapism i mean there's a lot of american escapism shows that i like but i don't know i mean i don't know maybe i'm just ranting about sitcoms i don't really like sitcoms <laughs> yeah we should call this a, a podcast rant or a rant cast or something um yeah. i i i I want to ask you, Ezekiel, so, like, when it comes to the production process of anime and American cartoons, like, where does the main difference lay? Uh, not, not like, anime, it's, um, not sure, okay, I can't, I'm not 100% sure, like, either, but, like, when I see, like, an anime is mostly, like, weekly, similar to, like, how the, um, manga are weekly, and, that's why a lot of anime have filler arcs, like filler episodes where they're trying to just make up things or uh, waste time until the manga, like the source material, catches up. 
and it's very demanding. I see uh, here, and like the um animals are gonna, like working like cooling hours, especially if it's like a really um popular anime. Mm. And then compared to like American cartoons, I think it's like a similar or like at least have like they do a lot of episodes in the beginning. Like you have a like, South Park who does theirs in like six days, where that's because they practiced it and they got it down to the T. Like hey, we could do this in six days. And it's not like they're working harder. It's just that that's their natural pace. Wow, that's yeah. I, I guess there's just like a different like different expectation of craft overseas. Um, from what I can tell about you know anime in general, it's it, it, and also manga. It's like it's kind of like the Japanese yen itself. It's like, it's like, it's really, um, inflated, you know, isn't there like, isn't there like a sea of like, you know, um, of anime out there that only lasts like, you know, two episodes, like, you know, uh, per its run. Yeah. It seems like, um, animes, which you probably like their first season is like 12 episodes. Get put like American, like TV shows where like, you get like six episodes and you see how it goes from there. Yeah, and it really depends on where it depends on where it where it catches fire because like one show them in Wonderland it didn't really catch in Japan like because of the anime but it really caught popular in like the United States but it still got canceled because it didn't really catch fire in Japan and then you have like Baruto where the manga is doing better in Japan than the anime is doing better in the United States. Okay. Um, but it's like, I, I, what I'm saying is that I don't think that the United States, at least like for like the popular, you know, broadcast stations that there's not nearly as many, many like new, like, uh, new, new, like, you know, shows that come out as that there is like, you know, over, over here. I mean, like, what, what I mean by expendable is that like every, like, you know, you can find like, I don't know, like how how much anime is out there is what I'm asking, pretty much. Uh, that's a large number I can't count to because there's all the different genres and different studios, and like things you say about the American production. I know like a lot of like American production is very bureaucracy driven, and then like a lot of things are on the cutting room floor even before it comes out. Mm. So even there could be like a lot more, but it doesn't see see the light of day. And then you have other anime is more of like some anime, some anime are just more arcs. Like 91 Days is only like 13 episodes, something like that. And like Bakuno is like another anime was like 16 episodes. So there's like, it's like a huge C and it's just something for, which makes it good because it's something for everybody. Hmm. Yeah, I guess when it comes to like, you know, like, I don't know, whether it's Cartoon Network, Box, um, whatever like other stations like has their own little animated thing um that they uh you know they really like put their money on uh also netflix is one thing but they put their money on like a very select few uh amount of shows and the and you know and usually like you know one really pays off big time more than the others and they focus on that um also like well like you know adult swim is like is like i guess like a subset of of Cartoon Network, and there's also, um, and there's also, uh, oh, I, I forgot the other thing, but it's basically, it's like, it, it's not as, um, you know, it's just like, you know, because it's like, 
because it's more expensive, therefore, because of all the money invested in it, like not as much product goes out in the in the market. In Japan, it sounds like they like spread things out a whole lot more, and you know, and they and they reach like a much wider, you know, audience because of it. And then it's also like with Japan's like the studio because like One Punch Man, it was like a great animation studio that did it for the first season, but when it came to the second yeah. season. That animation studio was busy, so it was going to take a long time for the show to come out. So what the people did was turn into a lesser studio, and that really dropped down the quality of the show because the animation wasn't as crisp. Then oh. that really held it back. Do you know what does like the animation studio in Japan look like? What does the average animation studio in Japan look like when compared to the United States? Is it like, like I don't know? Is it more of like? I don't know. What, what does it look like? And what is it like, you know, what are the main differences, you know, could you tell? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it should be similar. Now it's not like, it, it depends. You have like Studio Ghibli where it's more of like um, hand drawn and still like the old school style animation is doing it by hand. Camille, well, I cannot say his name right now. But like people like, who may straight away is more like classical uh-huh. and like that homey feeling animation, but like Current anime studios are going towards like 2D and like superfied, like not 2D, like 2D and 3D animation put together. So that be like a lot of computer work with that. So that's the way animation is like, well, at least anime is falling into like um, 3D backgrounds with 2D characters and almost seamlessly like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like a very, very niche market that like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around because it just it just like it's you know it's like a completely different world of animation and that I'm just not that familiar with. So I don't know if I ever get the chance to like visit a Japanese animation studio, then these are things that I would want to investigate. You know? Yeah. One twelve. I think we go um call it a day. You got one more question. All right, great. So. In the earlier episode, we talked about your origin stories. What would you guys name your origin stories? Oh, like if we were to like make a comic book out of it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think I would name mine uh, Drawn to Life. Which oh, is... I, I would name mine Drawn to Death. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I wouldn't name mine Drawn to Life because that's a video game. Uh, no, I would name mine. Uh, I would name mine. Uh, I think. Um, the greatest story ever told. Yeah, like the greatest artist that has ever lived. <laughs> no, the greatest person that has ever lived. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Um. That's wow. I didn't. I wasn't ready for that. Um. Diving that deep. Um uh like the title is like the last thing you should like come up with in a story honestly but um i don't know it would mine i guess would be called um i don't know something uh something along the lines of i don't know he drew he drew his way out of the out of the city or something like that he drew his way into his dreams or like something like that that's a good name yeah, I think I'm gonna stick with the the greatest uh, the greatest story of the greatest person ever. Yeah, totally not pretentious at all. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So thank you so much for having us, Ezekiel. Yeah, thanks. No problem. Anytime. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. Um, it uh, it's things that we have to be separated because of all these circumstances. But, um, you know, we, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate you being on our podcast. Uh, and, you know, if you want to collaborate anytime in the future, just, just let us know. Got you, got you. That brings another episode of the Let's Get Podcast to a close. Again, you can find the 2D Podcast on all major podcasting platforms or click on the link in the description below. For next week, I have Alex to speak about his journey into the creative field. I hope you continue your next day and I hope to see you there.